Welcome to the This is Believeland Real Browns Fans podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci, and of course, I am joined by my co-host, Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how are you doing today? James, I'm doing well. Only one more preseason game to go. Yeah, just one more. Uh, we're going to touch on that briefly, I guess. It's the third preseason game of this new schedule. But before we get into anything, just a quick reminder to like, share, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, uh, this is BelieveOne.com, RealBrownsFans.com. It's all there. Just make sure you, you know, like, rate five stars, comment, share, tell your friends. If you don't, it's stealing. That's not cool. Um, anyways, let's touch on a little story that I saw that I actually sent you earlier today um, about Kevin Stefanski. So... This was on the Bill Simmons podcast, and Peter Schrager said that he talks to Stefanski a lot, but he doesn't really want... He said that, let's lay low, let's not make headlines, we're not going to be that team. So, he's basically trying to get him and talk to him through media, you know, on podcasts. He's basically just, like, not doing it. So, it's on this podcast where Sean McVay... Uh, right, basically has all these coaches on, and I don't know if they get them drunk or what, but, like, they've gotten, like, every coach on, and the coach reveals, like, all the gossip about their teams. And Stavansky said no, that he didn't want to go on the show. And that, to me, is just, like, the most Kevin Stavansky thing, right? Like, it's, like, when he won the coach of the year, and he was, like, at the end of the day, we lost the last game of the season, and that's on me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, it, and, like, this, like, Stavansky is not arrogant. He may be confident, but he's not arrogant, and I think Stavansky knows that this team's biggest weakness could be itself. Yeah. he. I think he really has identified that there are some very large personalities on the roster, so, uh, you know, indulging in stuff like this, like we've seen previous coaches, uh, you know, of this team do, is not a productive use of his time. Well, and, like, it's my favorite word, right? It, it, ultimately, the NFL season now is only 17 games. Yeah. Variance can go against you, right? We mm-hmm. won 11 games last year. That 11 wins, I mean, didn't we win, like, four games in the last quarter? Like, we came back to win. It was something, some number like that. Like, there's a world where, like, those games just don't go your way. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, you're a seven or eight win team. I mean, that's up until last year, that's basically just been the Browns since 99. Those games just don't go their way. <laughs> Right, and I think Stefanski knows that, and Stefanski wants every edge to avoid that variance. One of the key ones being not getting over your head, not getting arrogant. Yeah, I mean, you you see the the people on here, and Mike Tomlin may be kind of surprised by it, but Cliff Kingsbury uh, doing it, not surprising at all. <laughs> well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the Bears, uh, Matt Nagy did it, Mike Tomlin did it, it they, and they, did, like, it is, like, NFL gossip. Like, they just reveal everything. Like, Kyle Shanahan was on there and was basically like, yeah, here's the thing, man, uh, I really like Matt Stafford. And if I had known he was going to go to you guys being the Rams, he's like, I would have traded for him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that with every coach. I mean, like everyone... Kingsbury kind of did the same thing. It's it's funny. Like it's a funny podcast. But I get why Stefanski didn't want to do it, and I'm glad he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, I'm very happy with where uh, things seem to be currently sitting with this. Because you know, like I said, we've had so many people in the past who have just been like, "Hey, you want to listen to what I have to say?" Because guess what? I'm going to tell you everything. We've had those right. guys. Uh, we've had guys basically have uh, a reporter be their mouthpiece to the world. Right. <clears throat> Hugh Jackson. Um, right. You know, Mike Silver being the reporter, yep. uh, quote-unquote. Um, we're, by the way, we're about due for another one of his It Wasn't Hugh Jackson's Fault articles. Oh, like, we are, we are way like overdue. Year, right? But, like, once you're, like, around this time, we get that article. Oh, yeah, we're about to get one of those, or one of those takes, or one of those just uh, video clips. That That's bound to happen. Uh, we're also... I don't know. I, I Here's what's going to happen. 
I, I can I can feel it in the cosmos already. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Okay. The Browns are going to play the Chiefs. They're going to lose probably by like double digits or something, right? Mm-hmm. That is when the Mike Silver, Hugh Jackson stuff comes out again. Right then and there. Yeah. Uh, so, like, here's the thing. I get that – well, so, one, I agree that that's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. But, like, the second thing is I think that it's important to just be, like, mindful of the fact that odds are we are going to lose against the Chiefs. Yeah. Right? And, and I know Browns fans. Like, I see, I see it on Twitter. I see it I see it in multiple places, and I think that's great. Like, it's awesome our team is good enough that we can be optimistic about a game against the Chiefs. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think people, A, are not realizing what the Chiefs just did to their offensive line this summer. They're not. B, underestimating the gap in talent that was on those two teams last year. Mm-hmm. And C, underestimating Andy Reid. I think the likely version of this game is the Browns keep it close for the first half and then the Chiefs blow them out in the second because that's just what happens, right? It is. Andy Reid will devise some sort of kind of change that will really hamper our ability to successfully defend them. Mm-hmm. And I get like this, like it's very frustrating here. Oh, well, Mahomes is going to be the best ever because like you don't know that and you still have Tom Brady in the league winning Super Bowls. Yeah. But with that said, if you were going to ask me about a quarterback who right now is in the NFL who had the potential to overtake Tom Brady one day, it would be Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I agree. And and, and, and he's that good. He's that much. And this is no slight against Baker. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is in a different stratosphere of quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are putting too much stock into the Browns-Chiefs playoff game where the Browns almost won, where the Chiefs had to play an entire half with Chad Henney. Okay. Right. Like, that, that game isn't any... Is not close if Mahomes plays the entire game. I'm sorry. You want to know the ironic thing, though? I think, A, the Browns beat the Bills. And then, B, I think in a Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, I actually think the Browns have an easier time than the Chiefs did. Because the Browns had a good offensive line. Yeah, that's true. The Chiefs' offensive um, line last year was... Neither was, here nor there. Yeah, they had injuries, and they were just kind of not good otherwise. So, Right. But, right. anyways, they had... They had as good a chance as anyone if they if in this scenario if they actually got there. <clears throat> yep. But as fun as that is to you know kind of think about and be like if this happened, let's focus on uh, this upcoming weekend. They're playing the Falcons' third preseason game. It's pretty much a whole bunch of nothing's going to happen, right? Uh yeah. I cannot envision anything major happening. I think the Falcons are are going to probably break out more of their offensive playbook because it's Arthur Smith's first year. Mm-hmm. So I think they're gonna, we're going to see kind of go, how the Browns deal with some outside zone, but it's going to be the Browns' backups. Um, this is a bad day for Andrew Billings, uh, just saying. Like, this mm-hmm. is like, it, this is not the type of offense he's going to be good at going up against. Um, and he needs so, to prove that he belongs on the roster. I think what actually is most likely in this game is somebody like Jordan Elliott has mm-hmm. a great game. Because yeah. Jordan Elliott isn't strong. Like, his problem is clear. Like, he's explosive off the line, but he doesn't, like, do much else. He's just explosive off the line. But against this type of offense, I think that will be very useful. So I think he's going to have a big game, and I think Malik McDowell's going to have another big game. And then we're going to see kind of the, oh, well, these are you're going to be two starting defensive tackles, which is not the case. But mm-hmm. that's kind of my view. I, I think otherwise it's going to be a pretty boring game. I think the Browns are going to use even less of their playbooks. Like all that motion stuff we saw and mm-hmm. we do, I think is going to be shelved. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you on that. I, again, I don't think we're going to see anything in particular. I think it's going to be certain position groups where they're trying to make decisions on those guys you'll see lots of activity for those players but outside of real actual game planning and what we're actually going to see week one or even week two in case week one gets out of hand early uh it's going to be entirely different yeah And, and i don't even know to be completely honest with you how much this game affects the coach's decision on who makes the roster it's just a gut from like having a career right but like when you come down to a final decision Mm -hmm. uh, like this like especially a personnel decision you kind of already know yeah um yeah i I think more than likely they already have a pretty good idea of who is and who is not going to make the team Mm -hmm. 
Uh, And that, so you're kind of talking about third, fourth string guys that are, if it not the Browns competing for a job somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right about that. I I think there's probably, I don't know, if you had to put percentages on what they probably have, the the final roster down, I'd say they are probably like 90% sure of what their final roster is going to be. But, uh, you know, there could be some level of change depending on a couple of things. If someone does something uh, in particular where they're like, hey, we would like to see you do this, and they do this, and, you know, uh, someone else who's also going up for that same position, we're like, hey, we want to see you do this, and he didn't do that. Right. And the guy that didn't do it was previously penciled in on the roster. You could see something change like that, but I don't see, like, oh, my God, we're making wholesale changes because this guy picked off Josh Rosen twice. That's not happening. Right, right. And I, like, I, I mean... The, <laughs> I threw Jack Rosen under the bus. <laughs> the, 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 the one guy who I actually think this game would have been really important for has no shot of making the roster anymore, and it's Davion Davis. And honestly, like, I think it's kind of BS that this is a punishment from something that happened three years ago, but there's no way the Browns keep him. No. So, quick comment on that, and here's yeah. why. His suspension does not count against the 53-man roster. So, they could keep him, essentially stash him, IR some guys that they don't want to get rid of. There is a space in a world where he makes the roster. Uh not saying it's going to happen, but let's say Anthony Schwartz not quite ready to go, they IR designate to return him. Hello, speed guy. Right, no, that's a good point. I didn't know that. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, it doesn't count against the 53 Yeah, so maybe this helps him. Listen, this is... Ironically. uh, Ironically, his arrest from 2019 was with the Vikings uh, is doing him a giant favor right now. It is a blessing in disguise for him because uh, otherwise he had no chance to make the team, but maybe he makes it now. I I think the NFL does need to fix how it does that stuff. Like, Davion Davis should have been punished, and I get it's hard if he's not on the team, but, like, he's still technically, like, he has been on, quote-unquote, a team just as much as he is on the Browns right now. Yeah. Um, and so I think, like, the delay, like, I know it had to, like, had it stay in court, et cetera, et cetera. But just generally speaking, I think that, uh, I, I think it's weird. But anyways, yeah, so, I, so maybe he makes the roster. I just, I, I don't know who this game is important for, really. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think the Falcons are going to do much interesting. They may do more interesting than the Browns. I know Stefanski's kind of quiet about who is and who is not going to play. I, I doubt they risk any injuries. Uh, maybe the, some of the starters, some, get one drive, but I think that's it. I think like the tight end battle is really important now. Uh, yeah, good. That, that's a good point because uh, they just climbed Kyle Markway off waivers, someone they had on the team last year, so I think there's a reason why they did it and it's not necessarily just because steven carlson's injured it's because the alternatives are not all that exciting right i know i i I don't understand why but people were really excited about johnny stanton for a second there but like (sighs) i mean listen (laughs) you can hear my disdain for this (laughs) yeah i mean like to be fair it's a fourth tight end but i think they may be saying if stanton and franks aren't learning the playbook fast enough this is a good alternative yeah, I mean, let's be real here. Everyone wants to make Johnny Stanton a thing. And you know what? Johnny Stanton, I have nothing against Johnny Stanton. But he's not a tight end. Okay? He's not. It, yes, he's six foot two, and he's 240, but that's not a tight end. I'm sorry. Well, and, like, if, to me, it's kind of like, if you're just going to use your fullback in that fourth tight end slot, fine, then just use Yanovich. Yeah, and, you know, comparing, just real quick... Uh, comparing uh, the other tight ends on the roster, uh, 6'4", 6'5", 240, 250. So, a little bit different. Body composition. Yeah. A lot different. Yeah. How big is Carlson? Uh, I will find that out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture a guess. He's probably very similar um, yeah. in, in build. Let me take a look. He is 6'4", 240. So, yeah, yeah they're all 6'4", or 6'5". Yeah, Johnny I, uh... Stanton's as much of a tight end as Frank Wycheck was back in the day. Okay, Frank Wycheck, great player, not a real tight end. Right, right, right. No, I agree with that. I think, 
I don't know. I, I think the roster is going to be um, – I, I, I think that spot on the roster is probably going just going to do uh, – like, I, I, I don't I, – that may be a spot they cut. Like, I know I said a week ago that I thought that fourth tight end spot was really important. I think they may just leave it to somebody on the practice squad and basically tell Yanovich you got to block on goal line plays. Yeah. And then well, basically ask another one of the tight ends, probably Hooper, to get... Like, you're not going to play five tight ends on those plays, right? No, so, yeah. I mean, or if if it's uh, specifically goal line plays, I imagine they would just pull a backup offensive lineman and have him just be the blocker. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, like, I think they're going to... I know there's a lot of stuff that Blake Hans may get traded now because, like, he's performed well. I guess to me, if he's performed well, why are we... like? I like Nick Harris a lot. I think Nick Harris is the long-term solution. I think he has the potential to be to J.C. Treader. He has been very mixed in his performances in camp. Mm-hmm. You know what Blank Hans is. We've seen him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the same for Nick Harris. But, like, I feel like they're going to store Blake Hans rather than, like, an extra tight end if none of these guys look good. Well, a, a lot of the discussions about trading certain guys, certain players, it's because they're trying to justify um, their, I guess, admiration for other players that are their guys on the roster. And this is something we kind of messaged back and forth about uh, in between shows, but that's basically what it is. I mean, they're looking to to move other guys to protect people on the roster who they have this strange devotion to for some reason. Right, and I think, like, one of the cool things about this year, but also that is... And we've talked about it. A guy like Mac Wilson, who had a great camp to start, I, I think is outside looking in to make this roster. Yeah. Right? I think a guy like, I don't know, I'm looking, uh, like a Higgins or a Hodge, like pick your, I know, like, everybody wants to keep Higgins, so fine. A Kadero Hodge, mm-hmm. who, like, any of the past Brown, new Browns teams, Kadero Hodge makes that roster. Absolutely. He may not make it. Like, he is a bubble guy. Yeah. Um, to Ernest Johnson, who I think is probably going, if he if the Browns cut him, he will go somewhere else and probably have a pretty solid season. Uh, I think he's talented. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's especially talented, but for, like, he'll go to some wide zone team that just needs running back, and he'll run, and he'll put good yards up. He'll be a good fantasy guy. You know, uh, before they traded for, the before the Rams traded for Sony Michelle, that could have been a good spot for him to go. Right, right, exactly. It's going to be something like that, though. Uh, and it may not be right away. He may get picked up by a practice squad or something for a minute. But And I don't know if the Browns are going to cut him, but the fact that he's a bubble guy should say a lot. Yeah, a lot. Like, of... Kyle Aleta is the backup we used to sign because we knew our starter was going to suck and you wanted to sign a guy with potential. Yeah, that was the, the lottery ticket guy. The guy like, right. hey, maybe he's got something. Yeah. And you would see, like a game where he completes like 70% of his passes, but none of them go further than three yards downfield. And you get, you get caught up in thinking that Cody Kessler is your guy. <laughs> right. Right. Hey, 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 let's not diss the Cody Kessler, right? It was Hugh Jackson's favorite quarterback in the draft. <laughs> Trust <until> me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I love we drafted Cody Kessler and people were like, I, 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 and by people, I include myself in this. Major Drew Brees vibes, man. Um, <laughs> so, so I include, but no, but I mean, I think like th- these guys are going to get cut, right? And yeah. so, or get traded, and there's going to be a guy that gets cut or traded that Browns fans are going to be stunned by. Um, I think Greg Newsom and JOK looking as dominant as they have in camp in the preseason mm-hmm. is really bad news for the other cornerbacks and kind of linebackers on the roster. Mm-hmm. I think that Tony Fields but probably just needing a few weeks to even just like understand what the NFL means like he's missed off camp yeah that isn't good for other linebackers like I know that sounds crazy but what's going to happen is Fields will make the roster yeah and then they'll have to do the IR designated return yeah unless they just want to punt his entire rookie year which would suck but right right uh, and if they do that I think we have bigger things to worry about you know another yeah. guy uh, that's bubble Tack McKinley and I know Absolutely. it sounds crazy, but right now, Porter Gustin has been the backup to Clowney, and Porter Gustin's actually looked pretty good this preseason. And you would think that 
Tack McKinley would be the backup to Clowney. Well, he's been missing, and we don't know why. Like, we don't know what's been going on. He, but... he has been missing, but even on the Browns' official depth chart, I'm staring at it right now, it's, it's yeah. Gustin behind Clowney, and you would think that those two, considering, um, let's be honest, the relative managed workloads both players need to have, specifically Clowney, who uh, has apparently been hurt uh, over the past couple weeks, which, I mean, yeah. I don't want to be like, hey, I called it, but hey, I called it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, he's always hurt. So <laughs> more, less calling it more just pointing out a reality. <laughs> That's true. But I think the fact that it's Port Augustine behind him speaks a lot about Tack McKinley because they have McKinley behind Garrett, who's virtually going to play like all snaps on defense. That's the plan, at least. Well, the, how much that actually materializes and turns into, different story, but. Miles Garrett's going to be out there playing a very high volume of snaps when he's available yeah. to. So, Tack McKinley behind Miles Garrett, that's that's not a, a gateway to playing time. That's a well, gateway well, to behind time. The other thing is when Garrett sits, I think more than likely, assume, well, assuming he's not too injured, mm-hmm. Clowney will end up just going over to the left side, and they'll bring in Gustin on the right. I mean, who's to say, like, if they're in a situation where they have to take Garrett out for a play, they would even have four defensive linemen. They could just go three, two... Six or three two yeah, or you three three five. Jackson is kind of your end. No, yeah, exactly. But my point is, like, I, I think like if Garrett goes out, the most likely scenario is Clowney just takes that spot, and yeah. they bring in Gustin the de- right defensive end spot. Mm-hmm. Um, or and then number two, I think is your idea, right? Just go to three men front. Yeah, um, I mean. We're going to be running a lot of dime this year. Like, that's what everybody's saying is that, like, Joe Woods and evidently in press conferences, like, listen, if I could, like, my dream is dime-based. And, like, that's every defensive coordinator's dream, yeah. right? Because it, that that would mean, like, your coverage is just so good that you don't even need to really worry about pass rush. Well, also, um, ideally, that would mean you're playing ahead, which means that your team's right. winning. <laughs> and, and and I think with JOK, that becomes more possible. Yeah. I think could be like the linebacker and dime uh keyword linebacker but yes i so so i think that is cool but like dime isn't that far of a shoot away from just kind of doing like a what looks like a four-man defensive front but really is a three-man defensive front with one of the ends dropping back into coverage yeah and you could do a a four-man front with one of the linebackers you know just standing there where one of the other guys would be you know what i mean just to make them accountable for for that and not just, uh, you know, just taking on three blockers or three guys to block and not have to worry about anything else. Just kind of making the offensive line have to think for a moment. <laughs> right, right, and making the quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, that, even if Tack McKinley overtakes Porter Gustin, I think, and it does not look like he's he has because he hasn't been to camp. And, again, we don't know why. I think more than likely it was a personal issue, so I'm not trying to judge it. But, like, the Browns are going to have to cut some players that, again, like, Porter Gustin's a bubble guy. He is. Which is incredible. Like, Porter Gustin was really good when Vernon got hurt. But, like, that's how good this team is. Like, we don't know what the 53 is going to look like. Not because it's like, oh, we have all these guys with potential, but it's because, no, like, we have a lot of good players on this team. Like, this team is incredibly deep in a lot of positions. Yeah, this team's just, it's crazy to think about just how deep the team is because this is something that you really didn't, one, expect ever, Um, (laughs) as awful as that sounds. But even for, you know, year two of this coaching staff, this front office, for it to be this quick. Right. Right. I mean, I think the one position where we don't like I don't still don't know if we have a good player is the second defensive tackle spot uh yeah. so like the right side defensive tackle next mm-hmm. to Malik Jackson which I guess could be a nose or they could just play two three techs but whatever um anyways that spot we don't know who it is but like it's actually incredibly deep like you have Billings Elliott Malik McDowell Sheldon Day Tommy Togiai and Marvin Wilson all competing for that spot mm-hmm I mean, like, even though none of those guys may be good, but, like, it's deep. Like, there's at least, like, I'm not worried if one of our defensive tackles goes down because, frankly, like, I think they're all probably all not that great. And so, like, I, I don't think, like, the drop-off is going to be substantial. 
oh, what, you mean Malik McDowell's not the second coming of, like, the greatest defensive tackle of ever? <laughs> right, but, like, I, I, I like Malik Jackson. I think our fear with Malik Jackson is the reality now where we both were like, Malik Jackson's a great guy to have because you can bring him in, whether it's a starter off the bench, like, on 60% of plays and really just screw with the opposing offense. Mm-hmm. Because he can play anywhere on the line. Yeah. Um, I think him playing starters snaps at defensive tackle is not going to end well because I think he's just he's older. It's a bigger body that position. Mm-hmm. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, it's just that's what's going to happen. But like, if Andrew Billings go, I, I don't think Andrew Billings is a lock to make the roster either. Uh, oh, and like Jake Burns was talking about this on his podcast too. Like Andrew Billings is a guy that like people may be shocked. I, he may get cut. But but let's say he makes it, right? Like, I don't think Sheldon Day is that much of a drop-off, if a drop-off at all. I don't either. And I mean, let's be we talked about this a little bit last time, but Billings didn't look good at all last week. Okay? He doesn't look good at all, period. <laughs> Even in, you know, the clips you see uh, from, you know, non-games, so practice or training camp or whatever, it's just like, you, you look and it's like, who's that guy that snuck out of the field in a 99 jersey? Right. He doesn't look like he belongs. It's Well, and I don't know, like, what the goal of him being so overweight was. Because he used to be kind of like a, almost like a Ogan Joby light type player. Mm-hmm. And now he's, like, almost closer to a nose tackle. And I don't know what the purpose of that was. But, yeah, I... I just, he doesn't look good. I, if he makes the team, it will be because he's at least a veteran. They know he knows, like, some of the stuff that you would hope your defensive tackle knows, like your vet defensive tackle. He won't get tricked. Mm-hmm. But just in terms of performance, he's a bubble guy. I'm looking at him. This I mean, d- he's, he's huge and not in a good way. Um, no, no. <clears throat> it's not like, I mean, he literally looks like an old school nose tackle. I, I'm I'm like looking at this. I'm like, is this is this Andrew Billings in 2021 or is this Sean Rogers? Okay, right. Or right. Or, or Ted Washington. I'm like, right. Yeah, he, I mean, like ideally, like it, he may be a three four defensive tackle now. Uh, for any teams that do base three four, there's like four of them still. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's only a handful. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, honestly, if you're going to do base three four, it probably just pays to do base nickel um which i think is where a lot of those defenses defenses went when seattle got really good but Mm -hmm. yeah i just i mean i'm looking at this roster andrew billings is the weakest starter on the roster absolutely 100 i i think there is not one place on this roster that is a weaker starter i mean i'm just looking at the depth chart on espn Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Landry, Peoples-Jones, Hooper, Yanovich, Wills, Betonio, Treader, Teller, Conklin. There's not one player on offense that's job is more in danger than Andrew Billings. Then you look at defense, and you know, judging by the Browns' official depth chart on their website, there are two players I would say would be at the same level. But uh, let's be real here. When they're actually going to put the depth chart together, these guys have zero chance of being in the starting position, and that's Mac Wilson and Greedy Williams. Yeah, Mac Wilson's not... I, he, I think that you want to hear my t- hot take. Hmm. I think on defense there are guys that absolutely would have started last year, and one of them is going to get caught. And I, it's going to be Billings, Wilson, or Greedy Williams. I think it's going to be two of them at least. It could be two of them. It, I it, mean, the, the question is like, at some point we're not carrying enough defensive players. Mm-hmm. But like for, I mean, I've seen it right. Like I've seen a lot, and I, I'm not saying they're wrong, but like. The idea is like, well, you want to load up on offense, right? So that means keeping seven receivers, four running backs, four tight ends, a fullback, and then like 10 offensive linemen. Like you want to do that, then you're going to have less defensive players. Yeah. And if that's the world the Browns are in, and I'm not saying that's the wrong world to be in by any stretch. Mm-hmm. If that's the world they're in, yeah, I think two of those three probably get cut. Yeah. I mean, and it's also got to take into consideration that if you cut your depth for the sake of having just offensive weapons on top of offensive weapons you're only like an injury or two away from Mike Furry at safety. Okay. Right. Right. It, they made him change positions mid season. <laughs> that disaster yeah. year. I remember. It, yeah. 
he played admirably. He wasn't good, but he was admirable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I don't know... I guess the question is, like, what is a guy like Mac Wilson, right? Be, and I know I am probably the most critical guy of Mac Wilson on Brown's Twitter. Like, I, I just, I genuinely think he's a bad player. Mm-hmm. The question is, is Mac Wilson worse than Elijah Lee? Right? Like, with Jacob Phillips out for the year, does Mac Wilson just get a spot, just basically a death spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Greedy Williams to me is a little bit different where Greedy because of the injuries I don't know that I really count him as like defensive depth like I, we don't know when Greedy is going to be able to play he's basically just taking up a roster spot right now is what he's doing right I mean I think Redwine's gone like with how good the count's been I don't think they need to keep Redwine on the roster and I don't think they will I agree um, I think Moffat also makes the team as well yeah, he's look good. Moffitt's look good. I uh, all the like big. So I'm just looking defensive depth chart. Like just uh, secondary players. Yeah, Denzel Newsom, AJ Green, uh, Ronnie Harrison, Mo- Moffitt, probably Delpit because they drafted him, mm-hmm. and John Johnson the third. I think are all locked. So that's Troy like Hill. nine. Troy Hill ten or yeah. no Troy Hill's nine, and then LeCount's ten. Yeah. So, Redwine's gone, and Greedy is right there with MJ Stewart. Which is and not even a if group you want to be like in. Is, right. I mean, like, even if the idea is, like, yeah, Moffitt's look good, but Greedy is just has more potential. Like, if that's his way on the roster, fine, but he's the third string corner for the weaker corner spot. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, I just, I don't. I mean, and, like, same thing with linebacker, right? Like, okay, which of these guys, I'm just going to read them out, which ones are we cutting, right? Mac Wilson, JOK, mm-hmm. Malcolm Smith, to Grayscale is getting cut. Um, Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips is going to be on IR. They're not going to cut him. Yeah. I'd be shocked if they do. Meander's going to go. Taki mm-hmm. Taki, Elijah Lee, Tony Fields is probably not going to get cut. And Willie Harvard Jr., I don't think, is going to get cut. But the question then is, like, are you paying Mac Wilson? Or are you paying Willie Harvey Jr.? And the idea maybe listen, Mac Wilson, for as bad as he is, he's better than Willie Harvey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you keep him. And so I think Mac Wilson's spot, weirdly enough, is the safest out of those three, out of greedy Billings and Mac Wilson. And because that's I think Billings is so bad that, like, <laughs> Billings has looked worse than Sheldon Day. Like, mm-hmm. straight up, he's looked worse. Um, his looked worse than both Jordan Elliott and Malik McDowell, and I know they do different things, but yeah. And like, there, I I would be surprised. Not saying they won't, because again, we're a good team now. But I would be surprised if Togi and Marvin Wilson don't make the roster just because they're young and they have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, which I mean, you're basically deciding between Andrew Billings and Malik McDowell, right? Like mm-hmm. that in. I mean, I I think the Malik McDowell hype is over the top, but he did look good in one preseason game. Like to be fair, like that's more than Billings has done this that's true. off season. <clears throat> that's 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 very true. Um, what I'm coming down to is uh, y- you remember the the uh, playoff game against the Chiefs. You remember all of the discussions about how the Browns need to get faster, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. How does Andrew Billings? even see the field against the Chiefs. They're going to run right past them. Yeah, or, yeah, they'll just, I mean, the. I think the team Andrew Billings helps you against the most, the teams, are those power run teams, which are slowly becoming less and less in the NFL. It, it's those power teams. Um, the, I, how many of, like, the Ravens don't run a lot of power anymore. Uh, the Steelers won't run any power this year. The Bengals don't run any power. So, like, I mean, that's six games right there where you're not going to face those teams. Mm-hmm. Chiefs are seven. So there are seven games that I could think of just straight off the top of my head where Billings is going to be useless. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really see a... I, I can, I'm having a hard time pick out, picking out a game where he's not like, this is a clear liability on the defense. You're essentially playing with ten people at that point. Yeah, yeah, I... I they may go for, I mean, 
I would have liked to get a guy that could do kind of mainly the speedy defensive tackle thing where defenses are going, but also like a Sheldon Richardson, right? Mm -hmm. Was great because like he could play against the speedy offenses, but he also like if we ran up against power teams, he wasn't useless. Like that's my going to be my issue with Jordan Elliott all year. I know because I think Jordan Elliott's going to play a lot of snaps. Is that Jordan Elliott's going to be great when we're going up against speed? But, like, some team's going to run inside zone up the middle, and Jordan Elliott's going to get blown by. And it's going to drive me crazy all year. So I wish we had that guy. We we, we cut him for Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, we cut him for Clowney. Then uh, Sheldon Richardson goes on to sign with the Vikings, making less money than Andrew Billings is currently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't... Uh, I, Billings, that spot's in danger. I mean... Again, it's fun to like all these guys, right? Like, I, I, watching Malik McDowell was fun. He did look, again, it was against second and third stringers, but he looked good. Um, he's a guy that in years past would definitely be, be a lot. Mm-hmm. But he's making probably a lot less money than Andrew Billings is. And I don't know that he is worse in the modern NFL. Or at least substantially worse. I mean, the, the thing with McDowell... And, ever, and everyone is, is very much aware of the issues with McDowell. It's it's off-the-field issues. It's injuries. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, they drafted him. He was drafted in 2017 in round two, and he's yet to play a snap in the entire in his entire time here. So he'll fit right in with our defensive line. <laughs> <laughs> so he is... So, yes, he's shown promise. He has not necessarily been able to keep everything in check and his yeah. from his side of things throughout this yeah. point in his career. Would I love for him to turn his career around and Cleveland be the place for him to do it? Yeah. Did he look, you know, kind of good uh, in the last preseason game against the Giants? Yeah. However... Those against guys probably not making the team. So uh, it's like, yeah, hey, I you mean, look good, but huge grain of salt. So how many defensive tackles are we carrying for the season? And count Malik Jackson as defensive tackle, even yeah. though I know he's going to play some end. I don't know. Five? I would say probably five. So, okay. So Malik Jackson, Jordan Elliott. Sheldon Day. Sheldon Day, I think, has looked too good to cut. Personally. Like, I think he's looked really good in the preseason. Then probably Togi Wilson, one of McDowell or Billings. Right. It's going to come down to McDowell or Billings. And, like, as much as... Like, I agree with everything you said about McDowell. I don't have my hopes up that he could be a serious NFL defensive tackle. Um, I, I agree. He's a lot cheaper than Billings. And Billings coming off a year where he didn't play. And again, I know, like, that was a choice. I respect that choice. I didn't go to work last... I worked from home last year. So, like, mm-hmm. I get it. But, like, I'm not sure Billings is a substantially lower risk of missing time than McDowell is. Yeah. He's out of shape, dude. Like, he's really out of shape. Yeah, yeah. And so, just, I guess, looking from... That perspective, I mean, I, I guess it's really, do they want a, a lot of guys that look similar in terms of build and body composition, or do they want to have one guy that is different? And if it's one guy that's different, they're going to keep Billings. If they want to have a whole bunch yep. of guys that look similar and have, I guess, uh, similar body types, it would be McDowell. Yeah, right. I, like I, I'm really in a soccer season right now because Premier League because there's no real football yet, and then when <laughs> real football comes, my Twitter will finally become diverse, and I'll get both Chelsea and Browns. Yeah. But like one thing, like you see in like Premier League team building is you have kind of like two styles. One is to have a lot of guys that are interchangeable, so it's like what Manchester City does, like where basically every one of their players are the same, mm-hmm. which means if somebody's hurt, it doesn't really matter. You just throw in the next guy. Yeah. Um, and the other is to have like changes you can bring off the bench right they totally change how you play yeah um and i think right i think your point is fair right do the browns want to be the team that 
especially a defensive tackle, just has a bunch of guys that can do three, five techs, more or less at the same quality uh, mm -hmm. and just rotate them, right, based on who the hot hand is? Or do they want to keep like an Andrew Billings? And I don't know. I, the, my other question is, Sheldon Day is not a small guy. And can Sheldon Day be that change of pace guy? Okay. I mean, right now, I think Sheldon Day is likely the day one starter against the Chiefs, which is astounding to me. But I think he's day one starter. So Sheldon Day he is 6'1", 293, according to the Browns website. Elliot's 6'4", 303. So if you're looking at kind of one of those shorter, yeah. stouter guys going to Day instead of Billings, not the biggest... Uh, right. Not that much of a stretch. Right. And I think the idea would be that, like, Elliot could eventually become that type of player. He's just not there yet. He's not there yet. And, you know, I guess there is also something to be said for, I guess, the height of the player. So, oh, yeah. So looking at, you know, Billings, he's he's 6'1", yeah. 328 apparently. He looks bigger than 328. Um, Day is 6'1", 293. But it, they're still the both. They're both six one. They're both very large men. <laughs> at six right. one. Right. I mean, here's like ultimately, I think the Browns are looking at Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togia, and Marvin Wilson, and they're saying, over the next two years, one of these guys we hope hits and becomes an NFL starter. Mm -hmm. I. Part of me thinks like maybe the way to do that is just to give them playing time, and that may be what the Browns are thinking. Right? Is that like the only way these guys are going to improve if they, is if they play in a game? And frankly, none of our other options are that much better. Yeah. That it doesn't make sense not to, or it makes sense not to play them. Yeah. Like Togi does not look great. I acknowledge that. But I, if they give Togi four weeks to kind of adjust and like maybe play in like five snaps a game, I think you could ramp him up as the season goes on. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I mean, I, I understand the, the, the talent level uh, increase from college to, to pros can be quite steep sometimes, but him being completely useless in the NFL is not something that I think I ever projected during his time at Ohio State. No, no, he's going to be a good NFL defensive tackle. He has not looked good yet, and I think part of it is just, to your point, right, these guys are bigger and stronger. Mm -hmm. The guy, the the guy, the, the guards and the centers he's going up against. They're bigger and stronger, and they run much more creative stuff than uh, like Cleveland State or whoever, whatever teams Ohio State plays in like the first week or two of the season. Um, I say is uh, if I watch college football, if and when I watch, I'm an Ohio State fan, but that's very rare. Um, yeah. but no, like even Jordan Elliott, I know I think I was higher on him than you were, but like Jordan Elliott, especially in the preseason, but even last season, like showed flashes that he could be an NFL snaps guy. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my question is, if you start Malik Jackson and Sheldon Day, like we know what Andrew Billings is and what we know is he's going to get worse. Yes. Um, if you start Malik Jackson and Sheldon Day, is it really the worst thing in the world to have their two rotation guys be Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiak? No, it's not. Not and at all. We're gonna, that is a weak position. No matter which way you cut it, defensive tackle sucks. Mm -hmm. we're going to get beat up there all season runs inside zone up the middle is going to be the, the I, I'm looking at now the Browns will give up more yards on inside zone up the middle than pretty much any other play any other run play yeah um so at some point it's like maybe just play the young guys then right get them snaps yeah that's not the worst idea in the world and especially against their early season schedule. I mean, let's be real here. The defensive tackle position in week one against the Chiefs, uh, is it really going to matter a whole bunch against that no. team? Then They don't run up the middle, and you're not going to get... It's such deep dropbacks that defensive tackles aren't important. Then after that, they, they play uh, two much more, uh, I guess, uh, let's just say easier opponents in Houston and Chicago where that's when I could see those younger guys possibly making an impact against those two teams because yeah. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be suiting up on week two yeah. <laughs> for the home opener in Cleveland here yeah. and uh, what we've seen out of the Bears offensive line is they're atrocious 
Well, and here's the other thing about the Bears. Like, talk about a game where, and this is no knock on Justin Fields because I do really like Justin Fields. I, mm-hmm. I, I said that on an earlier podcast. I think he's going to be really good. He holds onto the ball a really long time, and they that offense. I mean, they may go to those super deep dropbacks. I just think that's complex for a rookie, and I mm-hmm. know it's like, oh, well, Dalton's starting. Yeah, Dalton's not starting. It's going to be Fields. Um, my question is like, maybe that's a good game to get those young guys experience. Yeah. Right? Like, those guys, if they can get this offensive line in that game, are going to get a lot of tackles and maybe a sack or two. At least pressures or, you know, uh, right. QB hurries or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I just, I, to me, and I've been wrestling with this, right? Like, his defensive tackle spot that we're just doomed anyway, anyways, and it's better to kind of see what we have and train what we have than to just keep like a guy like Andrew Billings on the roster that I don't think is substantially better than Sheldon Day. Yeah, the, the way I look at the defensive tackle position is uh, a way that, uh, for any of you baseball fans out there, the way I looked at Cleveland's outfield this year. Eddie Rosario was a disappointment, so I said, why are we still playing him? Play the young guys. Trade him. Get rid of him. Same thing. I mean, <clears throat> the season was going nowhere. He was not helping us. Play the young guys. See what you have regroup for next year at that spot for you know the baseball team for the for the browns take a similar strategy you're gonna suck either way really at the defensive tackle spot see what you have in the young guys right i agree with that completely i i think and and i know it's weird right because in like you don't want to mess up no matter what because Mm -hmm. the browns are gonna be i mean probably outside looking in but competing for a playoff spot um and maybe super bowl mm-hmm. but like at some point you just need to admit like without a trade and maybe that's the answer but without a trade that spot's gonna suck yeah yeah as, as, as much as people are loving themselves from league mcdowell um him well, him being McDowell a starter another guy though in that world that you make the roster and then you see what you have yeah Right, like I think if Malik McDowell ends up not playing a lot of games, like he's easy enough to replace, right? Like, yeah. just pick another defensive tackle off the practice squad. Yeah. Um. I I mean I, I just I to do I think Andrew Billings is better right now than like Tommy Togia? Yes. Do I think he's better enough to not play Tommy Togia? And not get Tommy Togia experience? I don't think so. Or, or Malik McDonald, right? Yeah. And I know they do different things at defensive tackle, but, like, mm-hmm. overall, just in sum, is Andrew Billings... Be- because Malik Jackson can do everything. So is Andrew Billings worth playing snaps that you could use to see what Malik McDowell is? I would say no. Right. I mean, that's to me. I mean... Like, and I don't... I'm not a huge Malik McDowell fan. Like, I, I don't think, like... Even if he makes it and plays games. Like, it, yeah. if he was really that good, another team would have picked him up by now. Um... There, there's like, that. Teams aren't stupid. So I, I just I but 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 why you, again like what is the cost to seeing like we saw what happened last year when you didn't do that uh-huh. and it was bad like was Sandejo better than or was Carl Joseph better than Sheldrick Redwine yeah was he like so substantially better than Sheldrick Redwine that they it wasn't a disaster when either of them played no. I would have rather played Sheldrick Redwine more, kind of figured out, like, this guy sucks, mm-hmm. and then ideally played another safety that you got off the practice. Like, just, like, keep cycling through. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I view the second defensive tackle spot. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, the... <clears throat> and, and for what you said, you said, is, is Billings better than a, a Togiai or a McDowell right now? Yeah. But let's let's play the, you know, the fast-forward game. Do you say that exact say? exact same statement in, let's say, week 12 or 13? Um, right. Exactly. No, it's a great question, right? Like, I... And that's kind of how I feel about it. I, um... But I just... I... This... I, I, again, I, it, to me, it's like that is a spot that's going to save you money if you cut them. Long term. Right, because he's on a pretty big contract, so there'll be some sort of cap hit. But like, whatever. Um, and you can play young guys instead. And I, to me, 
like if if by the bye week or by the trade deadline, whatever, like it looks really bad, that then you trade for somebody, right? Like you, you trade a third round pick to get somebody's defensive tackle, mm-hmm. some team that thought they were going to be good that in fact sucks, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, I think Billings, I would cut him. He would be the defensive guy that would be my surprise cut. I, I, I as much as it pains me to say, I think Mac Wilson makes the roster. Um, I, I want to say I think Reedy gets cut, but I think they like him. Like they may not like him enough to keep him on the roster, but they clearly like him. Yeah. And so I think he probably makes it. So to me, like, the surprise defensive cut is Billings. Um, it won't be a surprise, but I also think on offense, one of Higgins or Hodge are going to get cut. Um, and I think those would be kind of my two, like, big... Right now, those would be my two guys, that like, two kind of positions, defensive tackle and receiver, where this game against the Falcons actually matters. I'm with you there. And, you know, for... For the receiver position, and I know we've hammered this home so many times, the one thing I keep coming back to is, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the saying, uh, the Department of Redundancy Department. Yep. I, I feel that's yep. what Rashard Higgins is on this roster. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a redundancy. He doesn't give you anything else that anyone else on the team does. And everything that he does do, everyone does better than him. Yeah. He doesn't have speed, I mean, he doesn't have size, he doesn't have elite route running ability. Sure, he happens to just be in the right spot for Baker to throw him the ball every once in a while, but literally anyone else could do that too. Yeah, and I mean, I I hear the argument, and I think this is the argument why he makes it instead of Hodge, is the chemistry. Like, he and Baker are friends. Whether, yeah. I mean, I know they got into it at camp today, but um, they're friends. And I, I think if he makes it it's going to be because of that it'll be a chemistry thing mm-hmm. um he'll again whoever wins that spot like they're not going to be playing that many snaps and they're i know it's like oh higgins is better than landry and like oh look at all these stats we have that suggest it like i, I know i've hammered some a million times but like tracking stats are not advanced stats right they're not models right mm-hmm. and like when you look at the models all the models say jarvis landry like attracts attention like nobody's business mm-hmm. so and that higgins when you look at higgins like even look at uh pff who i know we've hammered but like look at their receiver rankings mm-hmm. landry's like a top 10 receiver for pff for this reason yeah um and like you when you put all that stuff in a model what it shows like when you get kind of that score right mm-hmm. not pff isn't great but like football outsiders dvoa score yeah the reason, like, why Higgins doesn't look as good as Landry is because of that. And I just, I, to me, Higgins is a beneficiary of attention. He is. And I know everybody's like, well, in the Chiefs game, like, if he didn't fumble the ball, everybody's talking about it, he is here. Okay, well, uh, one, he did fumble the ball. But two, sure, let's say he doesn't fumble the ball. And they're like, oh, well, he got open there. Well, yeah, because what are the Chiefs worried about? They're not worried about Rashard Nick Higgins. Chubb. Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, and then the tight ends. Those are who their concerns are on those plays. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in that game, and Jarvis, yeah, right. And so, in that game, like Higgins is probably the fourth guy in the field at that point that the Chiefs really care about. So yeah, he got open. Good. Like he is Higgins. I'll give him credit. Higgins, if he doesn't have a lot of attention on him, does get open. Um. But the question is, can Hodge? not do that i feel and i I, don't know yeah i mean i I think he could yeah same (laughs) i think he could um it seems like from what we've seen he can but Mm i i think to be fair let me be honest here i don't think higgins and hodge i don't think they're going to get cut i think if one of them goes it'll be a trade yeah um, for like seventh round pick there's going to be some team that needs receivers that's like okay we'll give you a seventh round six or seventh round pick but I don't think both of them are going to be on the roster the whole season. I'll put it like that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, and let's be honest here. The, the Higgins-Hodge debate, it's all pretty much, honestly, it's moot. 
Yeah, I mean, like, they either about Department of Redundancy. Like, yeah. that, whoever that player is, they're not going to play that many snaps. Yeah, they're not going to play a whole bunch of snaps. The the season, uh, the ultimate success or failure of the team isn't riding in the hands of Rashard Higgins or Kaderil Hodge, okay? <laughs> it's right. the, Those guys have are going to have limited roles. They're going to make limited contributions. And the amount of snaps they play is going to be just completely almost insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And, like, here's the thing. I know Darnus, or sorry, uh, Demetric Felton's listed as a running back. When he's on the field, it will, I, my gut is most of the start, like, when a snap begins, he will be lined up as a receiver. Yeah. So for all these people that are like, well, like, we're going to use a lot more four and five receiver sets. Like, one, I'll believe that when I see it. Two, in the four receiver sets, Felton's going to be the fourth receiver. Mm-hmm. And, and also, like, just it. You just said something, four and five receiver sets. Five receiver sets, we're just not going to have Nick Chubb on the field. That's We're, right. we're not going to have the best player on offense out there. That is third and long. But yeah, that, that, that's, and, that's desperation time is what that is. Right. Like, to me, like, okay, listen, if I'm third and long, if that is Higgins has chemistry with Baker, and at that right at the end of the day, whoever wins the spot doesn't matter, just give it to Higgins. Like, fine, whatever. Yeah. If the argument is like, okay, we want somebody that does something a little bit different, Right, or that, like, maybe, like, Higgins isn't trying hard, right? Like, I think these are all worlds where Higgins gets... I also think Higgins has more value in a trade. Um, it's where I'm at today. I, I go back and forth on that, but mm-hmm. I think Higgins has more value in a trade. Um, but nobody's wanted him prior to this, so who knows? Yeah, um, every single time he's been a free agent, he's gone unsigned until the Browns come calling. So, right. I think that's kind of uh, important to, I guess, understand uh, what his actual value is outside of <laughs> Cleveland. It's, it's it's non-existent. And I just, to me, I keep going back to this. I think if the Browns have 11 offensive linemen they like, they're going to carry 11 offensive linemen. Yeah. And once you start doing that, that's when a position like Higgins versus Hodge becomes important. Because you, you really, that's where space becomes limited. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is when space does become limited, is when you keep that many offensive linemen. And I mean, I said this about Hodge last time. He's not strong. Like, he's not wide like a tight end is. Mm-hmm. But he's 6'2", 205, and he runs those similar routes. Yeah. Like those low flat routes. So I, I do think if you're only going to keep three tight ends, Hodge has an advantage. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, maybe not a huge advantage, but I think that's another, like, on his pro comments. I Listen, do I think, like, who do I want on third and long to be the fifth receiver, Higgins or Hodge? Probably Higgins. Like, I, I'll give you that. Like, if Higgins is a fifth receiver. Nobody's going to be paying jack attention to him that's when Higgins plays well but like if you're telling me if Jarvis Landry or Odell get hurt who do I want seeing those wide receiver three snaps I think I would rather see kind of a very different offense Mm -hmm. than Higgins seeing a huge uptick yeah, if if and I say the same about Hodge to be yeah. fair. Like I, I I just those that position to me is like, yeah. Listen, if if Odell or if Jarvis gets hurt, the season's probably screwed anyways, right? If one of those two gets hurt, like it's what happened last year with Odell. Odell got hurt, and everybody's like, oh, we look so much better. Like no, 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 no. Look at the run game before and after Odell gets hurt, and then tell me again we look so much better, because what Stefanski was having to draw up to get like good runs in was insane. Because teams are just stacking the box. Yeah, it was lots of, um, lots of trick plays. I think we Odell last year, we probably beat the Chiefs in that game. Right? Like, Mahomes gets hurt. I think with Odell, we beat the Chiefs. I agree. I mean, I saw the... Uh, I'm going to forget his name now. He posted a video on Twitter. We talked about it. Or uh, on YouTube. Um, th- about Odell and Baker and, like, how it wasn't either oh. of their fault. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember and, his like, name. I, I, or right like i think he did make a fair point which is like as the season went on baker was reading certain routes much better Mm -hmm. and i think those routes would have been enough like that improvement over time 
combined with the Mahomes getting hurt, I think if Odell's on the field, the Browns win the game. Yeah. So, I, I, to me, like, I get this idea, like, oh, well, we survived without a receiver before, we can do it again, and I agree. But, like, it's the variance, right? You want to limit the variance, right? You don't want to make it harder on yourself. And I just, like, if Higgins gets hurt, I don't think the season changes at all. If Hodge gets hurt, I don't think the season changes at all. Like, I mm-hmm. literally think it has zero impact on outcome. Yeah, you're right. And, and to your point, you said where they, they survived. Uh, yeah, they survived. They didn't thrive. They survived. I mean, but yeah. it, you want to thrive. You want to get past just survival. You want to well, get more than that. Well, and you and I have talked about this, but it's not dissimilar to, like, jo- Jose Mourinho team in their Premier League. So, again, another soccer reference for those yeah. of you that watch. But, like, Kevin Stefanski had to be absolutely perfect after Odell got hurt. Right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you don't want that. No, you don't. Cause... You don't want that. Like, I love Kevin Stefanski. He's going to go up against somebody that can outplan him. Right? And because he wasn't perfect and there was no Odell Beckham on the field, all of a sudden, like, that hurt. Right? That hurt us against the Chiefs. And Stefanski, to be fair, rebounded in the second half, but his first half plan was wrong. Um, and, like, again, that's fine. He's human. But if you have Odell Beckham and the first half plan is wrong, mm. you're not getting beat like we were. There's just there's enough of a, I guess, kind of a, a fallback in that case where right. there, there wasn't before. Right. And, like, I think Demetric Felton helps with that a lot. Um I think, like, oh, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who, like, talk about a guy that won camp. Mm-hmm. It's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Oh, yeah. Um, like, he won camp. But, um, like, he, like I think all that helps. Like, Higgins versus Hodge, to me, doesn't matter. Um, I think they can probably get more for Higgins in a trade. I think Hodge probably provides some things Higgins doesn't that mm-hmm. I think are potentially valuable in the case of an injury to a tight end. But I don't think it really... Like, to me, like, I just... And I think the coach staff is going to view it this way too, right? Like at the end of the day, do we need both of them on the roster? They don't. They don't. I mean, there's an argument that you don't need either, right? That yeah. that other receiver spot should go to somebody like JoJo Natson that's just going to provide you a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. Or Davian Davis. Yeah. I mean, they're, right? they're, like, they're, but, that, that's a possibility. So I, I don't agree with that. I would rather have Higgins or Hodge, but but. There's an argument for that. There is. And so. I, I will say that I, I know the world of Brown's Twitter does nothing but argue about Hodge versus Higgins or Higgins versus anybody, uh, to for that matter, really. Um, <clears throat> love them some fives. But anyways, um, if the season's coming down to Hodge or Higgins... If that if it's between those two for who's going to be playing a whole lot, something went terribly wrong. Okay, <laughs> right. And like I know we beat this subject to death, but like I think Billings versus Togiai Wilson, etc. Like I think why that one's important is so you can get young guys reps. Yeah, I don't think Higgins and Hodge has the same importance. So we beat it to death, but I think you're right. Right. Like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if it's coming down to that, we're screwed anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I, like you said, we do beat it to death. But uh, if you take a scroll through Brown Twitter at any given moment, no. it's Right, it's constant. <laughs> I mean, like, we both, like, kind of will shit on it at points, but that's, like, anybody on any Twitter, right? Like, mm. we're both on Brown's Twitter. We both do all that stuff. Like, yeah. it, it's... It, but, right, like, it's a big debate on Brown's Twitter because it's preseason we have nothing else to talk about. It, even even off-season during the season, that's... Right. Right. <laughs> it can I mean, be exhausting. Re- right. It's just, like, it doesn't... It's like talking about David Njoku versus Harrison Bryant. Like, okay. Like, they're both going to play. Mm-hmm. Especially now. Uh, yeah. So I, I just, or, or the, again, like the linebackers that we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think with given all the injuries, Mac Wilson makes the roster. Do I think Mac Wilson's better than Malcolm Smith? No. Do I think it really matters if Malcolm Smith or Mac Wilson are playing more snaps? No, I don't. Cause I, I think like if they're both playing a lot of snaps, we're screwed anyways. Yeah. That's pretty much what it comes down to is, is, is the big picture if a lot of these guys who are honestly backups, third string roster bubble guys are having to play a considerable portion of a game or a season or have to be put into roles such as a starter or even just a contributor, yeah, they're screwed. <laughs> right. I agree. I agree. Um, 
And it was it was that I think that's a it's a pretty good spot to end on and wrap things up here. Is there any uh, final thoughts you have? No, just like subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Comment if you're on iTunes, that always helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, let's go Browns. Let's beat the Falcons. Have undefeated preseason and carried into the regular season. <laughs> preseason champions once again uh, here in Cleveland.